All right, welcome to Three Rivers Karting. My name is JT. We are Draft 412. We'll be going over some of the uh, local Pittsburgh sports. we got special guests here as well, um, who I'll be calling up later on this evening. A lot of stuff going on in Pittsburgh sports right now. Um, Steelers starting training camp. Penguins are about a month away, and the Pirates are, well, they're the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's that time of year they start trading away their players. We'll get into all three of those things. Um, first off, I want to thank uh, Three Rivers Carding, Daryl, Carson. Thank you very much, guys, for having us out here tonight. Um, when we get involved in this, we'll have um, one of them two come up, and we'll we'll explain to the people back home. And by that, I mean I'm, I'm back in the South Hills. Let the people in the South Hills know about this place. This is, this is a hidden gem. Um, we don't have anything like this back in the South Hills. Uh, whatsoever, so we got to get this word out and get some uh, some of the South Hills people to, to travel out here and, and see what this is all about. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers went to training camp yesterday. They started, uh, they all arrived. And, and the main thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now is, is, is Kenny Pickett going to improve in the second year? Um, I tend to say yes. I think Kenny Pickett will improve. Um, I thought he improved last year. Um, I think the offense under Matt Canada needs to expand a little bit for him. Uh, the offense, the offensive play calling the last two, three years has been uh, rendered towards uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and I think you got a different quarterback in or not that can run, he can move. Um, got to change the offensive play calling uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the draft this past year, we just did the draft party at uh, Stage AE, which was a great show. Um, Three Rivers Carding was a big part of that. Let me thank them. But uh, Broderick Jones, the first-round pick, uh, it's a great draft pick. He's going to be in camp to battle Dan Moore for that position. Uh, after that, you got Joey Porter Jr., who everybody wanted in the first round. We got him in the second round. He should start a cornerback for the Steelers. Uh, another rookie that no one's really talking about that should be a starter is uh, Keanu Benton. The nose tackle for the uh, Steelers. Um, he came out of Wisconsin. Um, he should be a big, big part of that defense for the Steelers, whose defensive line is is having its issues right now with age. As Hayward is getting up or getting a little uh, shorter around the tooth, long around the tooth, I should say. Uh, all that said, um, Steelers division. Steelers improved, but their division improved as well. Uh, the Bengals are still the Bengals. They got uh, Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, are still, I think, a stage ahead of the Steelers. And, and I think the Browns, if Deshaun Watson uh, plays like he used to in Houston, and he had a year off and was a little rusty last year. The Steelers have improved, but they're still going to struggle to um, do anything in our division and make the playoffs. It's going to be a struggle, I think, this season, though we have improved. And as the night goes on, if anybody has any questions and would like to ask stuff, we have some T-shirts, some uh, terrible towels, the TRK terrible towels, which I remember them from the uh, draft party. They were thrown around regularly. That was nice. So um, we got them up here. If you have a question, ask a question. And uh, check us out at www.draft412.com. Right now we have a lot of uh, NFL draft profiles as we're getting into the uh, the draft never stops in the NFL. We're getting to that point. We just had the baseball and the hockey draft picks uh, that came along. So we, we're finishing up with the baseball part of it. Uh, the, the Pirates, of course, 
had the number one pick. I thought they did well there. We'll get into that as the night goes on as well. The camp battles, there should be some camp battles this year. Um, like we talked about at left tackle, Broderick Jones and Dan Moore. Dan Moore's incumbent. Not a bad tackle, but if Dan Moore is your first guy off the bench, I think you're uh, you're in really good shape. Uh, I'd like to see Broderick Jones come in and, and take that position down. Um, the one thing I think the Steelers lack is at running back. I think uh, if Najee Harris goes down, uh, you have Jalen Warren, an undrafted guy who last year came in and did well, but I think the Steelers need more. Um, they need to get a third running back. They have the money under the cap. I know New England's been looking at, like, Leonard Fournette. A guy like that wouldn't be a bad guy to bring in for the Steelers just to give some more depth to the running back position. Um, another rookie I didn't mention is Darnell Washington, the big six foot seven tight end out of Georgia. Not sure what the plans are with him, but with him and Fryermuth, you, you up your, you have give yourself a lot of different, um, give yourself a lot of different options on offense, especially in the red zone this year. Um, the Steelers did well. They have better better depth this year than they've had um, in the past, and. And they, they made some good signings as well in the, in the uh, free agency. Getting uh, They got the Herbig brothers. They got uh, Nate at linebacker, and they got the other Herbig at uh, guard. So they got, a, they got some uh, more, more uh, depth on the offensive line there. Uh, they got a lot of depth at receiver. Um, it's just a matter of them guys are going to step up. Deontay Johnson is a guy that uh, you wish that he could uh, control his drops a little bit and become more of a, uh, a solid receiver. Uh, George Pickens, I expect big things out of Pickens. I think Pickett and Pickens is going to be a good combination this year. Um, the defense, I think, uh, if you get a full season out of T.J. Watt, that's going to go a long way. And like I said, the defensive line is improving with the youngsters up there. So uh, look for the Steelers. Look for our Steeler uh, training camp talk here in the next couple of weeks as well. And, and the other team, uh, besides the Pirates, they're off-season right now is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the big thing with the Penguins right now is is Eric, the Eric Carlson trade. That's all you talk about, all, all people are talking about. Are they going to trade for Eric Carlson? I personally don't want to see them trade for Carlson. Um, I, just, I just believe that you're going to basically sell your future down, down the river even worse than what it is right now. You have... Uh, no prospects to begin with. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to give up one or two prospects, maybe your draft pick for next year, uh, for a guy that makes eleven million dollars, and he's not gonna guarantee that the Penguins are gonna be um, a Stanley Cup contender. I don't believe. I think having him and Latang is a nice thing, but I don't think it's gonna make the Penguins a, a Stanley Cup contender. And I hate to give up anything in the future right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, especially um, with with the. Like I said, the uh, minor leagues and the uh, prospects are a little rough right now with the Penguins. Um, they signed Tristan Jar in the offseason, which they basically had to. There was no uh, – the other goalies out there were going to cost them a lot of money, like Connor Hellebuck or uh, even John Gibson. Everyone wanted to see the local boy uh, from, from Whitehall, John Gibson, come in. But I think they did the right thing by keeping Jar. It's just a matter if he can stay healthy now, which is – that's a, always a big question mark with the um, – with the Pittsburgh Penguins, is can he stay healthy? Um, if there's any questions out there, anybody want to ask anything, uh, any opinions or anything on the Steelers, anything on the Penguins, you want to ask a question, what do you think? What do I, you know, my opinion on something? Um, 
feel free to do that. Um, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang makes it a little difficult for uh, Dubis, Kyle Dubis, the GM right now. You got to walk a tightrope. You want to win with these three old guys. You want to win with these three old guys, but you want to still keep the future going because there's no guarantee you're going to win a cup next year. So you got to try to win while trying to keep uh, the future, the future there. So you need a guy like, um, you know, we, our, our draft pick this year. You need to, uh, Braden Yeager. You got to keep, you got to keep guys like this in our organization. If you trade them for Carlson, you have nothing, nothing to look forward to in the future um, with the Penguins. They have a uh, probably the thirtieth ranked minor league right now in the uh, NHL. Which uh, once Malkin, Crosby, and Latang do, and they're going to leave here one day, people. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough time for them to. Um, it's gonna be tough for them to do anything with, uh, with no no future. So I'm um, looking at that. Um, they made some good off-season signings. They got um, Lars Eller. They got uh, Ryan Graves, a defenseman. The Penguins did well. They um, they did a good job of shoring up their fourth line. They did a good job of getting um, some defensive depth. Um, is it enough? Just like the Steelers, I don't think it's enough to uh, consider yourself a, a contender. I think it's a good a good. Uh, he did a good job of not giving up anything in the future. So he has he got he kept his draft picks, made his draft picks. Um, the fact, and, and still uh, was able to sign some players and, and do things like that as well. Um, and as we get into the Penguins during the season, it's going to be a matter of them staying healthy. Malkin, Malkin and uh, Jari especially got to stay healthy. But Tang needs to play solid all through the season. He has to, um, he has to be able to um, play a full season, not get hurt as well. And then Crosby just got to keep being Sidney Crosby and, um, Guys like Jake Gensel, Brian Russ, they got to keep up in their games because I mean the Penguins really—they really don't have much mobility. They don't have much more, more room to move under the cap. I basically, what they have right now is what they're going to have for the next three years. And I mean the, the, the player we drafted, Braden Yeager, he's he's three, four years away. So there was no easy uh, guy to bring in in the draft as well. The Pirates today. Um, for those you don't know, they made a trade already today. They traded Carlos Santana to Milwaukee for uh, Yanni Servino, who's an 18-year-old uh, shortstop. And I know people in Pittsburgh are gonna they're gonna moan and say, "Oh, it's just nothing." Getting rid of another player, and the fact is, he's a 37-year-old free agent they signed for this reason to get a player for him in return. Um, he wasn't gonna be part of their future. Uh, you're basically getting a lottery pick with, with Servino. You're getting a guy that um, is 18 years old. He's one of the high. He, he, they paid 1.2 million for him in the uh, international signing. So for them to bring him in, um, you know, is um, just a lottery pick kind of thing. And before we get into um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I'd like to bring up um, a head baseball coach at Carnegie Mellon. He's a, a professional scout, baseball scout. This guy knows a lot about everything, writes books. Uh, Claudio Rosano, I say your name right, Rosano. Rosano? Pleasure to get you up here, Claudio. Um, Claudio, we talked a little bit this, about this off the uh, air. What do you think um, about the Pirates and what they're doing right now with like these older guys like Santana, probably Rich Hill? Hopefully Austin Hedges. I've never been an Austin Hedges fan for what uh, I know he supposedly, he still strikes here and there, but 
I always say this. If you're not going to buy a new car, fix up the one that you have. If they're not going to go out and get big-time free agents, develop what you have, sprinkle in some free agent veterans. If you're going to trade a guy, get something in return. And this 18-year-old kid who's hitting 250, you can pick him up anywhere, okay? I, I think they could have gotten more for Santana, but there's talk about trading Bednar. Who are you going to keep? you got to keep somebody. They, they have a nice young group. They have a few veterans like McCutcheon. I would keep McCutcheon for next year, to be honest with you, because who are you going to get better? Okay, and he wants to stay here. I think they have a um, handshake agreement, supposedly. Well, I hope so. He's going to stay. But you have to have a game plan. Uh, Remember the Cleveland Indians years ago when they were going into Jacobs Field? They had a good group of players coming in ready to hit the stride at the right time. They had a game plan. Or the Florida Marlins, like it or not, they would go out and get all kind of free agents, win a World Series, blow it up. Lose, go get free agents, win a World Series, blow it up. But they had a game plan. Okay, the Yankees, even though they were criticized for paying through the roof, yes, they paid for some star uh, baseball players, but they also had some homegrown guys. So they had a mixture. But the Pirates don't seem to have a game plan. They have some young guys that aren't bad, okay? And we talked about before the show about schemes. I would bring him up tomorrow. My, my friend Tom said bring him up. He signed the contract, put him in the next day. Because the excuse is going to be if they bring him up next year, well, he doesn't know the league. He's getting acclimated to Major League Baseball. Bring him up now. Let him pitch maybe seven, eight games. And then they say, well, how about if he does bad? Well, good. Who cares? Toughen him up a little bit. And then he can hit the ground running for next year. When I was growing up, I'm 58. I was lucky to grow up in the 70s. Bruce Keeson was 20 years old pitching in the World Series. Okay, These guys were thrown into it. They matured quick. They showed who they were. The Rennie Stennets, the Sanguians. They had a great minor league, uh, Candelaria. We can go on and on. And they mixed veterans like a Jerry Royce, a Jim Rooker, a Jim Bibby, Mike Easler, uh, Tim Foley, so on and so forth. They had rookies, homegrown guys. Uh, Omar Marino, so on and so forth, homegrown guys, mixed in some veterans, and they did well. And But they had great young players. Now, who knows what the game plan is? Well, that's a good segue. What, what has changed in baseball that you don't see that? You don't see that from a lot of organizations now. You see them coddling their rookies. And Is it mostly money, or is it? The Italians have a saying, the fish thinks from the head down, okay? So it sounds better in Italian. But if, if the organization is, if the head of the organization is bad, it trickles down. They hire bad people. They may interview well, but that doesn't mean they know the X's and O's. They may know how, how a ball spins, right? But they don't know why it spins. They may know a guy's hitting 220. Well, hell, anybody knows a guy's hitting 220. But why is he hitting 220, and can you fix it? The, the front offices, in my opinion, and the scouting departments, in my opinion, are nowhere near what they were when I was growing up. Joe O'Toole was the vice president of the Pirates in the 70s. I loved him. I used to have breakfast with him every Sunday. My uncle used to work at Three River Stadium. Joe O'Toole was considered a suit, but he knew the game. Okay. Then Sid Thrift, remember the old GM, who I only met one time at the winter meetings. And he wrote a fantastic book called The Game According to Sid. Here was a general manager who knew the game. Mike Diaz. Remember Mike Diaz? 
he, the story goes, he goes down to the field. Mike Diaz was a home run hitter, but he was striking out a lot. Mike Diaz was flying open, flying open, flying open. All he did to Mike Diaz was say, hey, Mike, from now on, your field is left center field to right field. He had him stay closed. That was it. No offense to general managers now. Do they do that, do they do that now? Can they do that now? Back then, the scouts, the GMs, the pre- they they knew how to they knew the game. They knew how to teach the game. They knew how to hire people who knew the game. Now, if you you get some kid who graduated from Brown University with a crew cut who tells the major league manager when to pull a guy before the game even starts. Go do that to Chuck Tanner, Dick Williams, Billy Martin, Whitey Herzog, Tony Larusa, Joe Torrey, Ozzie Guillen, Mike Sosha, Tommy, Tommy Lasorda. Go ahead and try to do that with them. It wouldn't last too long. So, again, it trickles down. It starts bad up here. Oh, Weaver. It trickles down, and this is what you get. So I have this feeling you're not real big on the uh, on like the, like the advanced stats nowadays because I'm not either. I'm not a guy that likes uh, the center footer runs this speed or he has this. He's... His war is a minus two. To me, if a guy can go get a ball, I don't care if he's doing it 12 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour. I just want the guy to make the catch. There was a guy, I just saw this on Facebook. His name was Biff Pokoroba. His name was, he was an old. for the Red Braves, I think. Yeah, very good. I remember. He was, he was all right, you know. His war, whatever the hell that is, was better than Johnny Bench, was better than Ted Simmons. Was, you know, was he a better player? Okay. I think it was Mark Twain who said there are stats and there are damn lies. Those are damn lies. I don't know. There's the eye test. There's the eye test. Uh, you should be able to see if you're, if you're a scout. That's your job to see if, if a guy, why is he, is his, or his talents going to translate to the next level? For example, if you see a guy in college, okay, who's hitting, 375 with an aluminum bat and most of his hits let's say his home runs let's say 25 home runs most of his home runs are going three and they they have this stat 325 yard uh feet terrific with an aluminum bat that means in a major leagues with a wooden bat it's going to go about 315 yeah which means he's a uh warning track guy but if most of his hits are to the right side going up against 91 92 What's he going to go up against against 96 plus? He's not going to hit or he's going to be following off. Then the other thing that I'm very vocal about is the lack of, the, the, in my opinion, and it's a damn good opinion, and we're going to be doing this with Draft 412, which I'm excited to do, but the lack of improving hitters, it drives me nuts. What you see on TV, and we have some fantastic athletes that are playing Major League Baseball but they're hitting 220. They're hitting 215. 220. Dale Barra, one of my favorite players, when he was hitting 241, 15 home runs, 68 RBIs, they wanted to get him out of town. Now he'd be an all-star making 16 a year because the bar is set lower. He was the original cocaine Barra, right? Well, we don't talk about that. I like, he's a good guy. No, I, but, but, but the thing is, and it's a very, I mean, we're not here to do a hitting lesson now, but it's a very slight adjustment a slight adjustment that none of these guys are teaching. All they teach is hip, 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 and uppercut, launch angle, and even some people actually teach to hit the lower half of the ball to create backspin. I've hit six million fungos. Throwing it to myself, I can't hit 
the back make the damn ball backspin and carry. It's ridiculous. But you'll hear a major league player say, well, it carried because I hit the lower half of the ball. Or you'll hear coaches say, we're going to let the ball travel deep. It, well, that's all garbage, and they've ruined hitting. Hitting is hard enough as it is. Hardest thing in sports. Now, Jim Bibby, remember Jim Bibby? Jim Bibby, one year through 200, he was a power pitcher, six foot six, six foot seven. He threw maybe about 241 innings. He had 145 strikeouts. Today's stats, somebody would say, well, he wasn't a power pitcher. That's because those guys made consistent contact. Now, if he threw 241 innings, he would have 325 strikeouts, half asleep. Different ballgame. I'm going to name a player that drives me nuts watching him with the Pirates, and you being a hitting guy that watches watches the Pirates a lot. This guy has a ton of power, and he's showing it, but he looks so lost at the plate at times as Jackson wins. He's improved a little bit. He's the only one who's improved a little bit. And, and here it is real quick. What has he done? He's Picture his logo. It says Pirates. Okay, He's batting. He's a lefty. When his logo was facing the pitcher or the second baseman, he was missing the bat, and that's what that's what they teach. They teach to use your hip, right? Which if they're doing with LeBron Hicks, you use your hips too much. You ha yes, you have to use your hips. You have to eat, but if you eat too much, you weigh 500 pounds. You get sick. You die. If you open up too much, the bat drops and drags. You pull off. You get only half the plate. You pull your head, and you're not going to be able to hit consistently. You're only going to be able to hit mistakes and inside pitch. He could not hit middle out. All he did was instead of the logo going to the pitcher's second baseman, now it's a little bit towards the shortstop. He's got play coverage, retaining his power, retaining his head discipline, and he's been much better. But that's all it is. O'Neal Cruz, all these guys, if they were just stay closed a little bit, and I'm giving away free, free information, which I get paid to do, but, but uh, so I think it's ridiculous that they don't teach this. All you hear, let the ball travel deep. Uh, put your foot down sooner. Start your. There was one I won't name him. He played for a different team. He's a major star. He was in a slump maybe four or five years ago, and they asked the announcer on ESPN, who was this close to getting a a, a major a major job. They said, "Why is he not hitting? What, what, what should he do? He needs to start his bat sooner." When? What, what, the, what kind of an answer is that? What the hitter was doing was he was sitting. Opening up, he was leaning towards the first base dugout because he wanted to hook the inside pitch 900 feet. And he couldn't hit middle out. But this guy, who was this close to being a major league manager, said, start the bat sooner. Then there's another player, O'Neill Cruz, was in a slump. What's he not doing? They said, he needs to put his foot down sooner. That is another dumb thing. Because when you put your foot down sooner, now you've committed. You've lost, I showed you before the uh, show, you've lost weight shift. Now you're going to overdo the hip because you want to hit the ball hard. You're not going to be able to hit the outside pitch. And you're going to have a hole in the outside pitch. And then when they say start your bat sooner or put your foot down sooner, when do I put it down? When do I start the bat? You told me they'd be here at 6.15 on, what day is it today? Thursday. You didn't say I'll see you Thursday evening because I say, well, what time Thursday evening? Put your foot down sooner. When? Start your bat sooner. When? But this is the thing that is ruining hitters. And it's making the pitchers, oh, he's throwing 130 miles an hour. It's not that. It's hard enough to hit. It's hard enough to hit. But when, you are, when you're making it even harder with these crazy philosophies, 
it, it, it's ruining the game. So again, it starts up here. They hire the wrong people, and it trickles down. Now, one thing I want to take your wealth of baseball knowledge while you're up here and talk about um, you've been coaching for I think about thirty years. You're up to forty. Now. Forty years. <laughs> Well, you're not. Uh, you, you, started, you started as a young kid. I'm 50. I was 18. Yeah. So 40 years of coaching. Down the road at Quaker Valley, I started. Quaker Valley. I was a Baldwin boys. I played. I, I graduated in '92. Played some baseball. Played a little bit of college ball. Um, and I was talking to you about this off the uh, off the air. That we, we were lucky to get 15 to 20 games, especially you know your, your March in high school in Pittsburgh. It snowed till middle of March. You might have had two games in March. April rain. So. If you were lucky to get twenty, um, even twenty high school baseball games, you felt felt pretty good about, and then you play some legion ball, maybe get another fifteen, sixteen. So you're looking like forty games. These kids nowadays play; they can play up to a hundred games with AAU, with the high school, with with everything. So, and I asked you this off the record. And I thought your question, your answer was great. Are the kids that much better today than they were in nineteen ninety two? No. Next question. No, they're not. I mean. The, First, again, it's what they're taught, number one. They're taught improperly. Number two, I know when we played, we not only played organized ball, but we would call each other up. We'd play pickup games. All sports, football, baseball, basketball, we didn't play hockey back then. We didn't. But uh, they're playing all these games. Then you, the, the travel teams, these parents are paying a nice chunk of change to do that, and I, I give them credit for that. But do the kids really want to play? If they want to play, terrific. But again, you could be, there was this one kid in a batting cage one time. He used to go every, damn near every day for an hour. But he was doing it wrong. So all he was doing was practicing how to hit wrong. If they're doing it right and they're having fun, then the 100 games is fantastic. And, and if it helps him, that's good. But at the same time, you, my dad used to say, you can sharpen the blade a little bit too much. Okay, like for me, my team's it's Carnegie Mellon. Really, everywhere I've been, hour and forty-five minutes. Get in, get out. We don't just stand around and waste time. Some of these coaches two two days, or first of all, Carnegie Mellon, we can't do that anyway because of the academic challenges. But even uh, I've coached numerous places, hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes. Stretch. Everybody knows what they have to do. Uh, T work, soft toss, live pitching, fielding, throwing, running. Get out. And you make it crisp. My dad used to say to the old vaudevillian line, always leave them wanting more. You don't want to play yourself, oh, man, I got I to gotta go to practice. Because then they're not going to want to be there that long. But again, it all starts from the top. If they're teaching the game properly, then the kid's going to be more successful. And he's going to like it. But again, at, at, at a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old playing 60 games, that's a lot. Let them enjoy the other sports. sports. Let them have fun. And what, what would your, um, for somebody that has like a, a 9, 10, 11-year-old kid right now, what do you what would you tell a parent? Would you tell them, let them play, let them do everything they want to do sport-wise, yeah. basketball? They're kids. I, we, we play, we love playing baseball. But then come football season, we didn't touch a baseball. We played football. Basketball season, we played basketball. We had fun. We enjoyed it. Real quick, my dad years ago, well, yeah, my dad years ago in 1994, he bought me a great book about the old American Basketball Association called Loose Balls. So as I'm reading it, it hit me how much I enjoyed the old ABA. But why did I enjoy the ABA? Because my parents allowed me to enjoy it. They allowed me to enjoy professional wrestling and, and baseball. They weren't on me to go practice. They And I enjoyed it. My mom used to say, if there was a ball in the air, you could be sure Claudio was underneath it. 
But the kid has to want to do it. But if you just let him play baseball, 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 he's not going to – there's a point where it starts to go the other way. Let him be a kid. Let him enjoy it. Now, if he chooses, I chose to just play organized baseball. Okay, I love basketball, love football, but I chose – that was my choice. Well, my mom didn't want me to play football, but um, – and I'm only six foot nine, so the basketball thing didn't work out. But, but um, I wanted to do baseball, and the kid will find his way. Another question I have for you is, and this is something I've always thought about, why it didn't happen. Do you think that Little League should incorporate like wood bat leagues and wood bat for kids younger to grow up with a wood bat, to get rid of the aluminum? You're going to be playing, going to be playing wood and, you know, even college. Why does college still have aluminum? Yeah, I, well, I would like for college, for our team to have aluminum, the other team to have wood. That's what I'm trying to, but it's not working. But for Little League... Um, I'm okay with aluminum. Uh, now, when, again, when we were growing up, the aluminum bats were not like you check swing and it goes 500 feet. Now, they've changed. They're not as, what's the term? They don't jump off the bat like they used to. College, I'd like to see them go wood because they're older now. And uh, um, Little League, I'm okay with the wood. But, I mean, with the aluminum. But having said that, when I remember when I would listen to spring training games from Bradenton and you'd hear that that wood thing, man, you know, and we used to want to use wood for Little League, but I'm okay with them using uh, wood for, or aluminum for Little League. You as a uh, manager, coach, head coach, um, you have a guy that comes in that can throw 95 but has no, word, no idea where it's going, or you have a kid that throws 82 but impeccable to put it anywhere he wants. What, what, what do you like better? Two guys, Sandy Koufax threw really hard and I believe it was Norm Sherry who told him Sandy and Jim Palmer too Jim Palmer when he first came up Jim was one of my favorite pitchers they said you don't have to throw as hard as you can every single pitch Jim Palmer used to average in the minors a walk in any they said lay off a little bit Koufax if you look at his record at the beginning was okay he took a little bit off and he became who he was Greg Maddox same thing so I'm, I like the pitchers, okay? I like the guys. Uh, uh, Ray Miller used to say the three things of pitching, work fast, throw strikes, um, change pitches, or change speeds. Now these guys are throwing as hard as they can. And those guys could throw hard back then, too. I can name many pitchers who threw, uh, obviously, Noel Ryan, Dwight Gooden, Sudden Sam McDowell, Jim Bibby. Uh, there was a lot of guys. But you want the guys with movement because eventually the fastball pitchers can get timed, okay? Um, but I like the pitchers for me as a coach because eventually the fastball guys, that ball straight. There was a guy years ago, he pitched for the Cubs, Yankees, Pirates. I forgot his name. I forgot his name. He was a reliever. He had a funny last name. But there was a, he, threw a, he was one of the first guys who threw consistently 102, 103. But anyway, there was an old joke that the opposing team would send him a limo to the airport to make sure that he made it to the stadium because they wanted to hit him. He threw straight fastballs. But when you throw, think about it, you're throwing a 100 or a 96 or a 97 mile an hour fastball, then all of a sudden, throw 78. Right? Now, another thing, when we were growing up, you had a guy like Jim Palmer, who had that beautiful motion. Louis Tion, who had that funky motion. Juan Marichal, Joaquin Andahar, Kent DeCalvey, Quisenberry. 
there was a guy named Sid Fernandez who pitched for the Mets. He had a very slow, deliberate motion. But all of a sudden, bam, the ball was in on you. And he only maybe threw 92. But his his motion lulled you, right? So Bill Robinson used to say the great pirate player who was a great hitting coach, cut him in half. Don't worry about all that stuff. Look at his head, arm. And that's what I teach. Because those guys used to get you out with their motion. Louis Tiant threw hard in the early 70s when he was with Cleveland. Then he hurt his arm. So how can I stay in baseball? He, with that motion, he had more movement. So those guys were pitchers. They weren't just throwers. By the way, the Sid Fernandez, was with, that was Dwight Gooden, uh, Ron Darling. That, that was one of the better. Sid Fernandez. That was one of the best. Uh, Bob, yeah, Bob Ohita. Uh, yeah, Bojita, uh, yeah, Ron Darling. Nice. And then they had McDowell in the bullpen, Jesse Orozco in the bullpen. And they were on, that was back in the day when the Braves were on every day, the Mets were on every day. You yeah, could watch yeah, TBS and This is sort of like a myth. It's a myth you always hear growing up with baseball. When, when? Is it right for a young kid to throw, start throwing curveballs, in your opinion? Everybody's different, but I, I had a very good curveball. My old catcher was there to do but I, I can't throw 10 feet now. Because if you think about it, it was my fault because I didn't stretch properly. But to have a kid, a little league kid throwing 12, 13 years old, 14 years old, throwing curveballs, that's a lot of twisting. That's a lot of twisting. That's a lot of twisting. I would like to see it when their arm is more developed maybe 14 might be a little bit 15 might be pushing it but i'd say 14 15 years old when i'm seeing these guys 12 years old you know 13 years old trying to throw curveballs they're not, they're not throwing it right and then another problem though with all these pitchers why is it that there's more surgeries now right? they're throwing harder but they're throwing less CC Sabathia didn't get hurt until he started lifting weights, right? No one, Dwight Gooden, if you look at his arm when he was in his prime, it would bend like a rubber band. Now, he didn't lift. He just grew and he got thicker. But you want that arm to be loose and limber. Nolan Ryan lifted with his legs. Dave Stewart had big thighs. Uh, Dwight, uh, Rich Gossage. They were, they were big guys, but they used their legs. They're, they were mechanically sound. These guys now, they're, th they're throwing less innings. Yes, they're throwing hard, but it's the muscle. When we were kids growing up, lifting weights was a swear word. You toned up. You toned. Now they're bulking up. Look at the golfers. They're, they're bulking up, and look at the injuries they have. The more, they said Babe Ruth would never pull a muscle because he didn't have any. Yeah. Now, that makes sense because um, even looking back in high school, we had a third baseman on our team, Baldwin. Real good third baseman his sophomore, junior year, but he was a fullback on the football team. He kept lifting and lifting. By his senior year, he couldn't make a throw from third to first, and he lost all his, uh, his flexibility, yeah, flexibility elasticity, elasticity um, fluidity. You lose it all because you bulk up. And that makes sense because I mean my baseball coach had us. We were I lifted with my legs. I didn't do any didn't do anything up up top. I mean, um, and you do see a ton of injuries. You see more injuries nowadays than you've ever seen. I mean, and it's you know I, I forget who it was. It was a football player, old football player for the Packers. He died about ten years ago. But he said we didn't have ACLs. Yeah. What's an ACL? Yeah, I, forget, I think it was Jerry Graham or one of them. Oh sure. Okay. He's like we didn't have ACLs back then. Where did these come from? Like it was, and then you'll hear that they throw harder now. 
as a whole, they throw harder now. But again, we had fireballers back then, too. But Bob Feller, even way back, but why didn't they get hurt? Look at their arms. Look at their bodies. They weren't bulked up. Now these guys bulk up. The, the stretching programs maybe are. And another thing, too, when we would go to the games as kids, the pitchers on off days would throw foul pole to foul pole. And what, what that did, sure, it strengthened your arm, but it also stressed your arm because you were reaching. And now, I don't know what they do now. They have all these programs. And here's another thing, too, that I don't believe in. Let's say you have 10 pitchers. And they say, okay, the first week we're all going to throw 60. The second week we're going to throw 90. The third week we're going to throw 110. Well, how about if pitcher one can throw 75, but pitcher two can only throw 50? Why are you making him throw 60? Why are you making him throw 60? Let everybody do their own. That's what I do at Carnegie Mellon. I had a kid, John Cohen's. He said, Coach, you know what? I can only throw about 20 today in practice. Go ahead, John. The next time, he said, Coach, I can only throw about 15. Okay, John. Then he threw a complete game. Okay, that was him. I had twins on my team that batted differently, threw differently, had different body types. Not everybody is the same, but they want to have these programs, okay, and everybody throws 100 pitches, 20 pitches. Let them do what they have to do to get ready. That's my philosophy. If somebody doesn't agree with it, that's fine. They're wrong, but we're not robots, okay? Everybody, it's not a science. Everybody is different. That's, a, that's another question I'd like to ask. It's another thing I've always been told by coaches over the years. You always see a coach wanting the kids, especially back in the 90s when I was a kid, that you put your hands up a certain way. Every, you want every kid to have their hands up like this. How do you explain and explain to the people how guys have different um, – I mean, Craig Council about it with his bad – And you leave him alone. Is it, if, he, if, if he's doing that, that worked for him. Um, everybody is different. Everybody wants to elbow up. Nobody can give you an accurate reason why to put the elbow up. For example, I like my elbow down. Now, if you make me cock it up, you know what I'm going to do when the ball comes? Drop it back home. And vice versa. If a kid likes it up and he goes back, terrific. Let him do it. Squash the bug. Look at Roberto Clemente, Frank Thomas, uh, Kirk Gibson, his famous home run in 1988. That's a beautiful swing. Kirk Gibson, his first couple swings that he fouled off, his chest was there. I know he was all banged up. That has nothing to do with it. He was all His chest was over here. The bat dropped and dragged. He, he looked terrible. But look at the home run he hit. He stepped towards the ball, caught it with the fat part of the bat, pulled it. Now they want you to hit oppo, which I hate that term. If he hits the right field, who cares? If he hits it to the left, who cares as long as he hits it? But he stepped and he went and got it. He flicked it, stayed closed, head on it, beautiful swing, home run. Now, the, the, the squash the bug. When you do that, when you don't want to do it, what you're going to do is you're going to collapse. You're going to, you're going to lose weight shift. You're going to lose plate coverage. You're going to lose power. If a kid does it because he wants to, Paul Molitor did not step when he swung. And it worked. Leave him go. Joe DiMaggio barely took a step. Terrific. Some Clemente would take a step and his back foot would drag or pop. Frank Thomas, same thing. A lot of guys do that. So George Brett, so what? That's what they did. You let them be who they are. You don't make them into what you want them to be. Now, the things that I teach, there are four sets of busts that every hitter has to do. We don't have to go into that. But you don't tell somebody, like I said, I had twins that batted differently. 
and everybody has two, three kids. Are all the kids the same? Everybody's different. But they, they ruin and, and the problem is somebody from up top says it and it trickles down. Well, if the guy from this college says it, or when Mike Trout was hot, everybody bat like Mike Trout, or when Pujols was hot, everybody bat like Pujols. Now we all copied our favorite player, but that doesn't work. But the problem is you hear everybody saying it. There's another old Italian saying, if 50,000 people say a stupid thing, it's still a stupid thing. Okay, your name is JT, it's not Rick, right? If everybody in Pittsburgh calls you Rick, it's still wrong. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, and then again, well, this guy's in the major leagues, Claudio, what, what do you call a guy who finished last in med school? You call him a doctor. Not every doctor is good. Not every plumber is good. Not every uh, chef is good. Not every coach is good. And there's been times, that even in Pittsburgh sports, where something has come out where you hear the coach had a certain philosophy. You already talked about um, a couple of the philosophies that coaches get in, in people's heads. How about the, uh, what is your take on the Garrett Cole thing in Pittsburgh, how he was throwing the contact, basically, and I guess when he went to Houston, the rumor was that Houston was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm throwing, throwing the contact. And you let him be who he is. That's it. That's what the Pirates were, that's but see, the problem with that, in my opinion, is ego. Like years ago, they used to say the Dodger way. But that, and people took it the wrong way. The Dodger way was, and the Oriole way, the Oriole, it was an attitude. It wasn't that everybody batted the same. It wasn't that everybody threw like Jim Palmer, okay, or Mike Cuellar. No, it was an attitude. You go on the road dressed in a suit. The, the, the Cincinnati Reds, no beards, no mustaches. Uh, the Dodger way was the way you carried yourself. The Pirates were the swashbuckling group that were loud back when the, for, even before the We Are Family era with the Dave Justies and the Clementis and the Blast. And the Pirate way was they looked, like hitting-wise, they looked for the baseball. If it was a first pitch strike, they swung at it. That was their way. That doesn't mean that the philosophy Everybody bats the same way. Everybody pitches the same way. They may conduct their practices the same way. But a, a philosophy, it's ridiculous because everybody is different. We all have things as parents. We tell our kids, don't drink, don't do drugs, don't steal, treat people properly. Terrific. But we don't make them listen to a certain kind of music. That's more subjective. You know what I'm trying to say? There's musts, but then there's things that... You know, it just for, it morphs into whatever. But now they want the hitting coach for the major league team for everybody to bat the same way. Well, then how about when he gets fired, the next guy comes, just like an offensive coordinator in football. But a hitting guy up top wants everybody to do this, okay? Let's say he gets fired or he goes somewhere else. Then the new guy comes on and they have to change again? It's ridiculous. Once again, this is um, Claudio Rosano. Did I say it right? Rosano. Rosano? Yeah, yeah. Rosano. No Z. That's okay. I didn't say Z. Rosano. Uh, you did it good. Rosano. That was good. And uh, he's a head coach at uh, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, and pro baseball scout. And, and, right. and pro baseball scout. And direct. I said that the first time. I said pro baseball scout. Um, and I am JT from Draft 412, www.draft412. Claudio will be working alongside of us in the future. You'll be seeing that in the future podcast as well. Um, any questions, anything you want to know, there's some t-shirts up here. Come up and get a t-shirt. Um, ask us some questions. Let's go into the Pirates a little deeper. Um, 
we already moved Santana. Um, Ritchell, he's got to be about as good as Vaughn. Don't you believe that? 43 years old. If you get anything. You I get think they should have got him five years ago. I, I agree with that. And I, now, he is a pitcher. Whenever He would be hard for the Pirates to hit because he starts. Like the Pirates, a lot of these teams, they believe in timing the pitcher. Well, all these pitchers have different a different cadence, a different motion, right? You'll see them starting sooner. But, but anyway, now him, he's only got a few more years left. Okay, if you want to trade him, get somebody good for him. But again, people come out Bednar. You got to keep him. You have to keep a few of these guys, as we said from the outset, because you have to start building a foundation. You have to start building a fan base so they can root for somebody other than the laundry. And they're not going to get anybody great for these guys anyway. You cannot keep trading these guys for prospects, for prospects, for prospects. You have prospects there right now. Let's improve them, which I don't know if they can, but they should be able to because they do have the position. They do have the job. Improve them because look at what they did at the beginning of the season. They, they, they were crazy, right? You know, make 20, a 20 and 8. Yeah. Unbelievable. I don't see why what, what happened, but that's neither here nor there. Keep, you, you have a little foundation right now. You signed Reynolds. You signed Hayes. You got Davis. You have Gonzalez. You have Rodriguez. You have uh, Priester, Keller, Skeens, Bednar. You have something there. And they do not know. Uh, Harding Peterson, Joel Brown. Everybody's well, he's talking, he's old. Look at them, what I am. It's the truth. There's old school, yeah, but there's right school. Those guys made great trades. When Sith Thrift traded uh, Tony Pena to say, oh my God, you tripped. Andy Van Slyke. You got Van Slyke, uh, Lavalier, Mike Dunn. They were cornerstones. They traded for Bobby Benito. Um, Pete Peterson, when they traded Frank Tavares, who was a was a very good player stole them for Tim Foley not a bad deal they traded uh, Al, Al Holland and somebody else for Bill Madlock Dave Roth uh, not they, they traded Al Holland and somebody else Ed Whitson I believe I don't know who it was Tom might be able to help me out for Bill Madlock and Dave Roberts not a bad trade so those guys when they made a trade you know what you trust them why because they have a track record name me now okay they got Cruz on a trade, but name me the reputation that they've built. I'm not here ripping on the Pirates. I'm telling you what it is. This is not an opinion. You have a shirt on that says Draft 412. It's not an opinion. I'm giving you facts. Who have they traded? Who have they improved? And who have they traded for? I mean, Huntington had a little bit of a, a run there for a while. He had the, you got the Brian Reynolds for McCutcheon, and we got McCutcheon back kind of thing. That wasn't a bad deal there, I thought. Um, the Yankee deal... Uh, looked like it was going to be all right at the beginning. That that's fell through. Same with the Nationals deal when we traded Josh yeah. Bell. We got Eddie Yeen, who ain't yeah. doing nothing in the minors, and uh, we just got rid of Will Crow. I like Moran too. I liked him. He was a nice hitter. Who uh, call him Moran? Yeah, he was a nice hitter. Solid, good defense. They, so basically, they traded. Who they trade for him? Was it part of the Cole or McCutcheon? That was part of the uh, Garrett Cole trade, I think. Garrett Cole. Yeah. So they got they got rid of Cole for nothing. A stud. And then what's, what's bad is, whenever you look in the playoffs, you see all these former Pirates sprinkled everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Austin Meadows trade was probably the worst trade that in the history of, history of baseball. That was one bad. Of them. That was but bad. Um, all the rookies coming up right now, Gonzalez, Rodriguez, uh, Davis. Piguero, Davis, 
We have a, we have a lot of rookies. I like that Palacio. What's that kid's name? The lefty, the outfielder Palacio. Is that his name? Well, I like him. Oh, He's got, oh uh, um, yeah, um, Palacios. So, um, great hands. Josh Palacios. I like him. He could be a, he could be big time. And he's actually like a veteran kind of uh, rookie. He's been in the league for about three or four years. So. But again, and people are thinking I'm crazy. And the ones who think they're crazy, I'm crazy, don't understand this. Polanco and Cole Tucker. Cole Tucker had star written all over him. Nobody fixed it. And it was just that slight adjustment that I told you about ten minutes ago. Polanco the same way. Why don't they fix him? I don't know. But he, they were, these are tremendous athletes. One time I was at a, I had a meeting at a restaurant at, at the strip district. I was walking, and Polanco was in his rookie year. It took me, I'm not here to pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you what it is. It took me tw under 20 seconds to see what was wrong with him. He was flying over. There was a Dodger at bat when Polanco was facing the Dodgers when there was nobody in the stands during the uh, pandemic. There was a nine-pitch at bat for the eight eight pitches. When he flew open, the ball flipped, or he popped it, or he missed it. When he stayed closed, he hit shots foul. The ninth pitch, bang, dead up the middle, line drive. You would think that somebody would say, "Wait a minute." When he's when his front when that logo is here, he did good. When it was over here, he didn't. So I, I don't know, but there's guys in the team that. They have ability, but your job is a, the owner of our scouting company, James Gamble, said it perfectly. Coaches don't coach anymore. They monitor. That's, well, hell, anybody can do that. Babysitters. Well, babysitting would be criticizing the player, saying he's immature. I'm not going to say that. I'm saying if you are with a guy morning, noon, and night, and you see him, that's all you do. You're the hitting coach. You're the pitching coach. It's your job to fix him. If he's Hunter Pence did everything wrong, leave him alone, right? Because he was a great hitter. Leave him alone. He looked goofy, but he, he looked the ball. But who cares? Clemente would step towards left field and hit a triple to right field. Leave him alone. George Brett, when he came up, he was in the minor. He wasn't that good of a hitter. Charlie Lau, one of the best hitting coaches. He's the guy that I studied probably the most. Okay, he said George every day. One hour with me, and the rest is history. I'm gonna throw a curve at you, pardon the pun. You know who had a great swing, and he and the coach was a disciple of Charlie Lau, named Walt Kariniak. Had a beautiful swing, but obviously it didn't pan out. It was Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan had a great swing, but that shows you how hard it is to hit a baseball. Okay, but he had a great swing because he was taught. These guys aren't coached. And if they are coached, they're taught to, again, think about how ridiculous that is to hit the, aim to try to hit the lower half of the ball. How the hell you can hit the lower half of the ball? You have to swing down. You know how perfect you have to be? I tell my guys the bat is a knife, cut the ball in half. Simple as that. But you want to hear, and, 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 or you'll hear people on Major League Network, they're talking about a pre hit movement, and the guy was swinging down. Get out of here. That's insecurities when they try to make something more complicated than everything else than it already is because they want to show you that they know something. Nah, that, that's not the way. Yeah. Pete Rose used to say, if you're in a slump, here's what you do. Choke up, choke down, move closer to the plate, move further from the plate, move closer to the pitcher, move further from the pitcher. That's it. Now, there's some mechanics. Like I said, if you see a guy with a long swing, fix it. If you see a guy opening up, it's easy to fix. It's not hard to fix. Um, basketball. I know we have some girl basketball players coming here. 
Kyle Macy. Did you ever hear of Kyle Macy? He had the perfect shot. But you wouldn't want... Uh, there was a guy named uh, Lloyd Free, World Be Free. He had a crazy shot. You don't make him shoot like Kyle Macy. You leave him go. And then the last thing with this, whenever you hear a baseball player who's on a street, so why are you hitting so well? Oh, the ball looks like a beach ball. No, the ball's the same size. You see it earlier and longer. A basketball player says... Uh, the basket, you know, he's on fire. He says, the basket looks like a big old bucket. It's the same size. They see it longer. Nobody talks about vision. They talk about hitting the lower half of the ball. They talk about hit. And it's not that good. It's wrong. A lot of good points. A lot of good points. This is a lot of stuff that, um, a lot of stuff I've battled with over the years. Being a baseball player was like the fact that I used to have, I was a lefty hitter and coaches, like I said, get your elbow up. I didn't like it. I like, I like stuff not down here. Right. And, you make a lot of good points, and same with like the throwing. Uh, people people want a pitcher to have the same. Every pitcher is gonna have a different windup too. Right? I mean, everything's gonna. It's it's all. What One you, of the things I don't like about that, I do pitching lessons as well. Is a lot of these guys tell you to cuff that glove, cuff that glove. Well, we probably cuff it anyway. I don't even know if I cuff it, but when you tell somebody to do it, I'll tell you two things. Whenever I hit fungos, apparently I do this flip with the bat. One of my players said, Coach, how do you do it? You know, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Then a friend of mine was a former wrestler, Vince Kaplack. He would he would give you a forearm in the middle of the ring. Before you knew it, he was on the turnbuckle, and he would give you a flying body press. right? But if you told him, Vinny, throw the forearm and hit him with the end of your elbow, then give me three and a quarter steps and do a 60-40 weight transfer and jump on the turnbuckle and do your chest three-quarter, and he'd break his neck because it's overthinking. It's overthinking. Let the get, Now, if a guy's overstriding or if he's opening up too soon, little tweaks, but they want everybody to be a robot. And, then we're, and, and, and again, we're not robots. And this is all common sense stuff. It's nothing, you know... Genius. And if people want to disagree with it, that's fine. They're wrong. I don't really care one way or the other. But I'm just telling you, it's common sense. It's common sense. And you can see it. Watch a game. Next time you watch a highlight. Now, you can get away with an open. You can get away with a lot of things if your hands and head are good. But then if you're a righty and you open up and, and you swing it up, it's going to go right field. You hit a nice shot. Terrific. But you don't want to get away with it. But I'm just saying. But the things I just said to you, it's nothing I came up with. It's common sense. It's 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 right there. It's common sense. One good story I had. 20 years ago, USA Today had a, uh, they did an article every week saying it was the top 10 hardest things to do in sports. And when it started, I think it was skiing or something. So me and my buddy, my buddy was a hockey goalie at the time. And I, I was a baseball player. So I told him, it's going to be baseball. It's going to be hitting a baseball to be number one. He's like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be sopping a 90 mile an hour slap shot. So as the weeks went on, they were both we were still both not named yet, and the hockey goalie became number three, so he was all down and dejected. Um, number two was actually just the, the skating part of hockey, just being able to skate oh, yeah, and just that was number two. So I was like, I, I won, man. And next thing you know, the, the next week, the USA Today came out and they had scientists on and proven that hitting a baseball is it's one of the hardest things to do. I mean, and they especially. Made it I'm telling you, the way it's thought has made it harder. You think about it now, the ball's coming at you, you know, 95 plus, or even a kid, 76, whatever, and you have that 
that quick a time to react. It's a reactionary thing. And you have to have the proper mechanics to give yourself a shot to hit the ball. But then it curves. It moves. Uh, they'll throw it your Don Drysdale, the Hall of Famer, he would throw at you. And, you know, you're a little bit worried. And he would throw an outside fastball. So there's, it, it's incredibly hard. But I've been, I was blessed I could play all the sports pretty good. I can't skate. A lick. I mean, at all. So for me, the skating part's bad. But, you know, remember the old uh, Superstars event? Well, you're probably, you made a little bit too young for that. But they would have great athletes from each sport competing against each other. The ones who looked the best, who could play the, they could play basketball, they could swim, they were the baseball players. Now, yes, uh, you know, in my opinion, the baseball players are the best athletes. The most fluid. You'll see a lot of, uh, Kevin Durant, great basketball player. He threw out the first pitch, he looked terrible. Now, you, you get you get Garrett Cole, I'm sure he could do the first shot, he would look good. Now, I love baseball. My only argument would be, I think hockey players give a run for the best athletes. I, I, I honestly do. I've seen, like, Sidney Crosby go to batting practice at PNC and hit homers. Um, oh, yeah. They're, 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 and they, they, they take a beating that no other sport takes. I mean, 82 games of getting right. getting hit, pummeled. I mean, football got 16, 17, ga 17 games right. now. But a hockey player, you're playing every, you know, every other Did night. Did you ever see a hockey player throw? Um, that's where we yeah, start to separate that might be a little, a little bit. Yeah, throwing's a whole different. I mean, throwing is rough. It's, it it's is. A you have different. to be, you know, Joe Namath was my favorite quarterback. He said, great quarterbacks are born, uh, made, not born. You have to be born with X amount of ability, fluidity. Uh, there's an old black and white video of Dan Marino when he was 18 years old. And you can see right there, that kid has it, the feet, the arm action, everything. You know, you can try all day long to make somebody throw, or you either have it or you don't, in other words. You know, you can improve. You can improve. But I've had guys that were horrible, and I've turned them in. I've raised them to lousy because they just weren't blessed with the physicality of it. Carson, I'm going to get you up here in a minute. I'm going to have one more one more good question for you. This is, this is the one I've been wanting to ask you all night. Sure. All your baseball you've witnessed in your life, who in your mind is the best hitter you've you've witnessed best in your life? Hitter? The best hitter you've seen. Uh, just everybody's going to say Ted Williams, but if they, and I signed Ted Williams' son to a pro contract. That's another story. Um, for That's me, a good story. Jeez, oh man, Hank Aaron, Clemente. Uh, what about like? Let's say make it a little bit more even. From 1990 till now, who was the best hitter? Is Bonds up there? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Bonds. I'm a Bonds. big Bonds guy. That's a guy yeah, that except I... in the playoffs, but that's another story. I'd say Bonds, when you walk a guy with the bases loaded, it has to be him. Um, yeah, you got to go with Bonds. But uh, he, Tony Gwynn, what do you think of Tony, Tony Gwynn? Gwynn? Never struck I me, mean, really struck out. Real quick, Tony Gwynn, 1987, me and my dad went to a pirate game. Tony Gwynn hits a home run. He's going around the bases, and he's, he seems mad. Stan Saverin, God rest his soul, said, Tony, you hit the game-winning home run. Well, it was the eventually... And you seemed upset. Why? He said, because if I swing like that all the time, I'm going to be a 330 hitter instead of a 360 hitter. But he's a great hitter. Yeah, his stats, if you look at, like, if you get on Facebook and look at Alex some Rodriguez names. Alex Rodriguez was great. A-Rod. Yeah. He was a steroid guy. Though. That's, that's was that? same. He was a steroid guy eventually, right? Him and well, Bonds. Well, but he had a, yeah, but if you take that out, they were they were Hall of Famers before they took the steroids. I agree. I, I they think, just hit the ball instead of, you know, 360, 380, but they were still big time. And great mechanics. Well, Claudio, thank you so much for your time, and I, I look forward to working with you. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fun. baseball guy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy the baseball talks that we have. Um, 
I love all four sports. That's why I'm in the draft four one two, but I love love baseball. It'll be fun. I appreciate be, the uh, and thank you so much uh, for your time. Thank you, brother. And, and, I, right. and good luck this year. And I hope I can get. I'll get out to a game or yep, two. Come and, on out. All right. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. That was Claudio Rosano. See, not Nosy, Rosano, Rosano. I'll get my Italian done. I'm Hungarian, so we don't we don't talk Italian very often. Um, Carson, come on up. Three Rivers Carding, they've done a great job. Um, and I want to show the people back home. I'm acting like back home. It's 20, 30 minutes away in Brentwood, Baldwin area. But explain to people, explain to people what the uh, vision of this place is, which... If you look, I'm looking around right now. I know there's no video right now, but we'll show you some pictures as we uh, post this podcast. There's a racetrack to my left. Um, to, straight ahead, there's a uh, there's an axe rowing. There, there's an arc. I didn't see it yet today, but I was there earlier. There's an arcade that's unbelievable here. Big arcade. Um, tons of room here. I, explain what the vision of this place is and what you what you do. So Three Rivers Karting opened in 2018 as just a go kart track. And once we got through all the COVID years, stuff like that, around 2022, we were able to expand with the axe throwing. Upstairs, we have an arcade of over 40 games and 13 pinball machines. And then we also added the garage bar and grill, which has been a big hit since it opened last fall. So we went from a go-kart track to a full-on entertainment park. And by the way, the bar is, that's the first thing when me and um, Joe412 came out and visited this for this podcast i went past the bar it wasn't open at the time these were closed but it's a beautiful looking bar the way you have it set up Thank you. um the food my wife had a couple pieces of pizza your food's amazing um explain to you have like it, you just have leagues and stuff and they just come in for fun there's actual mm-hmm. actual leagues is Absolutely. there adult and kids or just adult league or? we have both oh, okay. yes we, we start with uh, a junior camp where the little ones can come in uh learn all the the basics of being a beginner racer. Uh, we have the junior league, which is uh, mostly middle school kids in the middle there. And once you graduate from the junior league, you're able for the adult league, which is very, very popular with everybody here. And I think we knew we we're talking about this off the air a little bit. Ginsky keep track of records, like track records, like speed. And you have people coming in here every week. It's almost like I know back in the day, arcade, I was an arcade guy in the 90s, 80s, 90s. And kids would always try to want to beat the, the arcade record and stuff. You have guys that come here trying to beat this track record all the time. All the time. Is it a yeah. tough one? I mean, the, the, the time on your track right now, is it, is, it a, is it pretty amazing? Yeah, it's definitely not easy. You need to know where to break, what you're doing, the proper line and everything. Uh, the good thing about the whole experience here is our employees, and even if you run into some of the league guys, they're always more than happy to give you all the tips and pointers. Uh, they do joke sometimes. Uh, they do stop at a point when uh, you start to beat their own times. But uh, other than that, they're willing, more than willing to tell you anything about the track to get you on that uh, record list. And let's talk about, I know I've, I've been following you guys now since the uh, since April, since our, our uh, NFL, the uh, draft event we had at Stage AE. You just had the Steelers here. We did. What, what's the reaction of like a pro athlete coming? They love it. It was it was so much fun. They had a great time. We had to keep it a secret for so long, even though it was so big for us. We wanted to tell everybody, but uh, they came in the beginning of June, uh, early in the morning before uh, we uh, opened up for the day. Uh, they had outdoor games. They had the whole building to themselves. They had a gaming truck, a DJ, everything. It was so fun. They were so fun to interact with. Everybody in the entire organization was here, uh, and it was such a blast. And uh, we hope they come back someday. To have more fun any of them real good racers any of them turn out to be pretty pretty good they did a few of them were uh taking it very seriously i heard a lot of bets going around 
someone owes a bunch of players a bunch of watches just because they won um, one of the uh, the lap times, and uh, especially down in Axering, a lot of bets going on, a lot of trash talking, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was fun interacting with them. He's got what, West Virginia, uh, the West Virginia girls basketball team tonight coming we in? We do, yeah. They rented out the entire track tonight until close, and uh, they have unlimited gameplay upstairs in the arcade for a little bit. Oh, uh, you can't beat that. And, and explain to people, too, because, I mean, in the South Hills, we, we – we don't have a lot of, we don't have anything like this. Really. We have um, down in Homestead, which is sort of close to us. We have um, an axe throwing, I believe. Um, but we have nothing like this. Do you, do you um, not rent this out, but you can have a birthday party here, but kids can have, come in and have a Yeah, party. absolutely. Uh, birthday parties are very popular. Uh, bachelorette and bachelor parties are very, very popular, especially in the summertime. Uh, corporate events are big. You can rent out the entire building, do some team building events. We just had one yesterday. Uh, where we put a yoga ball out on the track, and you have to take your cart and try to keep the yoga ball on the track. And you have to do one whole full lap around with the yoga ball, so people love those, um, all kinds of things like that. We have uh, party rooms upstairs. We have corporate uh, meeting rooms in there if you want to do a presentation or something. And I've been upstairs. I mean, this place is just sitting here. It looks big, but it's it's a, there's a lot more to what you see right Absolutely, here. Absolutely, um, yes. I know uh, when I walked through with... Um, Daryl, when I walked through with Daryl, I always forget Daryl. I can't uh -huh. Daryl and your brother Daryl. When I walked through with Daryl, there was a there's a big arcade. There's uh, he showed me. I mean, there, his offices were up. I walked it through the offices. It's humongous. It's a huge. Mm -hmm. It's a huge building. Um, you're the only person I know. I mean, is there any? Uh, I know you probably are into this more to know this, but is there anybody else in Pittsburgh who even has a setup anywhere like this anywhere? There is a few in the state of PA. You look at more out in the Philly area, like out east. Yeah, there's a lot out in Ohio. I would say every state around the country has a handful spread out. Uh, but the fun thing about our carts are uh, not a lot of people do the pro speed, which is our fastest speed level. Uh, when you make it to the pro speed, you're driving the fastest indoor electric go-karts. What, what is the, the speed at the highest? Uh, to beat it, it has you have to beat a lap time of 22.59 on the track. How fast do the cars get up to? Like, What's the speed of the... On this track, you're hitting maybe 39, 40-ish, something like that. They would definitely go faster if you took them out on a uh, straight highway, but you're not going to hit that, unfortunately, on the track just because you have all the turns and stuff like that. Uh, but they're definitely no joke. They're pretty fast out there. In, in your leagues, is it is it um, is it uh, just single driver base? Is it team based? Is it a little bit of both? Or it is basically uh, the local guy. Whoever joins our league can be a part of our league. We're a part of the American E-Car Championship which is basically different karting facilities around the country. They have a championship every fall. The winner here will travel. Yes. Or vice versa, he's will host it. Yeah, oh, we, just had it, we just had it last week. We crowned our champion, and he's off to Chicago this fall to win $10,000. Oh, wow, that's, that's phenomenal. Like mm -hmm. I said, people, when you see the pictures, when you see, um, you hear what, what Carson's saying, you've got you to gotta check this out. I mean that. Um, if you're looking for somewhere to have a birthday party for a kid or even an adult, like you said, or, you know, just a bunch of guys getting together, especially college football coming up, maybe a couple of college guys coming into town, check this place out on a Friday before a, before a Saturday football game. Um, Carson, I, um, anything else that, um, like, like when you do the birthday parties or you get, you get a menu of food, you get, you get basically a little bit of everything you need to get food, you get, beer for the parents absolutely and that's what's great about this place it's almost like the old uh when i got older i realized they had beer at chuck e cheese this is sort of like that <laughs> feeling like you can come in watch your son race the track have a miller light at the bar there's tvs everywhere i mean this place 
this place is like sitting at a sports bar while you're racing, you know, you're racing and, and playing video games, and, and just you can have three kids at all three different places while, you know, it, it's it's a phenomenal idea, and, and I, I wish you all the best. And Carson, thank you so much for your time. And you're people welcome. out there, there's, there's some T-shirts up here if you'd like to come up and grab a T-shirt. Um, once again, we are Draft Four One Two. It's at www.draft412.com. Um, check us out. Check out. Follow these guys on. Uh, these are everywhere: Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, we'll, we'll be posting pictures. We'll be posting the podcast. So come out, enjoy yourself. Um, I'll be out here. I'm going to bring my son out. He's 24. Um, I know if he sees that, he'll he'll want to race all night. I don't know if I'm I'm 40 now. If I can handle a little uh, bumping, <laughs> we can find out. <laughs> I don't want to see that. But um, thank you, Carson, and thank you guys for coming out tonight. We are Draft 412, uh, www.draft412.com. Check us out, Twitter, Facebook, uh, lots of podcasts coming up. Um, remember, we're always on the clock. Thank you, guys. No, hey, you know what? Um, I wish more. I wish I miss my dad was a lot like you in his opinions of stuff, and I wish I um. I gotta stop this. I can't.